3. We're going to be looking at the same scripture we did last Sunday. I promised you we'd take another look at it through a different lens. And so let's worship him as we read the scriptures together. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have also already written briefly. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all, God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to this eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. Amen. Thank you for the reading. If the children need to be dismissed for church, they are, are able to do so now. I want to ask you this morning, how many of you like mysteries? Any of you? Wow, that's more, wow, very nice, impressive. Well, this will be a good scripture for everyone today. There's, now there's TV show mysteries, there's movie mysteries, and there's real life mysteries. And it all is a marvelous mystery. I've always wanted to go on one of those train rides. You ever heard of those where it's like an evening or a day or a weekend where, where you go and, and you know it's coming, so you know it's not real, but there's someone on the train has been murdered, right, or missing one of the two. And the whole point of this is for you to make sure that you find out, you know, who the killer is before you're next, right? Isn't that, I mean, I, I don't know really, I'm, that might be too much for me. Um, but it's always been something that I've been really curious about doing. Who, who, how many of you, you mystery lovers, watched Unsolved Mysteries? Okay, so if you say you love mysteries and you've never watched Unsolved Mysteries, you need to go home and search for it online. It ha- I've, it's been on since I, probably before I was born. I remember just as a kid, um, me and my cousins gathering on the floor in my grandma's living room and watching episode after episode after episode of Unsolved Mysteries. And the thing about the, about the show is the music. The bumper music at the start makes your skin crawl, and you don't even know why. You just know that some mystery, someone's missing, or you know, some, you know, some terrible thing has happened, and they might find out who did it, and they might not. And, and I haven't watched the show for a long time, but I know that if I went home today, and I could find it probably on sometime today on on Lifetime Channel or something like that, and I heard that music had come crushing back to me, and I wouldn't sleep tonight <laughs> because of that. And you might not uh, react to it the way I do, but it's, 
kind of been in part of my life since I was a kid. Um, and if I heard of that, I'm not sure I'd sleep again. But we all love a good mystery, don't we? And that word mystery occurs in this passage several times. Did you notice that? I mentioned it last week, and we're going to look at it through that mysterious lens that Paul talks about. What is Paul trying to say in this passage? What is this incredible mystery? He uses it over and over and over again in this passage. What exactly is this amazing mystery that Paul is talking about? And there are a few ideas I want to share. Now, if you were here with us last Sunday, you know that I had more points in that sermon than I've ever had before. In fact, you could add up the points of the previous three or four messages, pack them all into last Sunday's sermon, and we still would have got it all covered. And then I come to find out that I can't even spell, which has made it all worse. So thank you. No one came up to me and said, hey, pastor, you know... um, but maybe there's no great mystery that I can't spell. I don't know. But thank you for your graciousness. Not going to do 17 main points today like we did last time. But there are a few things about the, about the idea of the mystery around this passage and the mystery of the scriptures and the mystery of life that I just want to take a few minutes for us to share together. And the first thing that I want to talk about, the mystery of Paul's attitude. And we handed on it last week. We talked about it um, a lot, actually about Paul's attitude in the middle of this period of his life. Paul, a guy with every reason to look at his circumstances and complain, to throw up his hands in despair and give up, to sell out or throw in the towel because everywhere he looked, everything had just fallen apart. If anyone could say life had given him their worst, it was the apostle Paul. And yet here we see in this passage the mystery of his attitude. The mystery of the fact that despite all of the things that had gone wrong, the only thing that Paul seems to care about is the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only thing he seems concerned about is that we would understand the fact that Jesus came to die so there'd be no barrier between anyone's heart and his. It wouldn't matter your background or your race or your your preferences or your ideas or your past or anything. All that would matter is that anyone could come to Jesus and find forgiveness and grace before him. And so we see in this passage the perspective of Paul's position. We see in his attitude his perspective. He's literally at the bottom of a pit. He's in a dungeon. You can't get much lower than that and still be alive. And yet Paul is talking about mystery and revelation and grace and glory and the church and the future, and you, and I, and the glory that God wants to reveal through all of us, and instead of being trapped in the despair of his thoughts and his circumstances, he is enamored with the position that he is in for Jesus. And what is that position? In the original language, it says, I am a slave of the gospel. I'm a servant. I'm a slave of the Lord Jesus. Now, if I would have written about my circumstances, I would have probably said, this is the prison that I'm in. These are the guards that I'm under, and Nero's out to get me. Because that was the truth of his immediate context. It wasn't that hard for Paul to imagine that he would never make it out of that prison alive. And he doesn't mention that. All he mentions is that he has come to serve his master. And his perspective is an eternal one. His perspective is a heavenly one. His perspective is a gospel-centered one. And despite the reality of his immediate circumstances, all he seems to think about is you and I 
and the fact that Jesus has come to wipe away all the barriers that had previously been in the way of people discovering the grace of God. And I wonder sometimes for you and I if our perspectives cloud our vision of who God is wanting to be to us. Paul talked oftentimes about his past, didn't he? How dark his story was before he met Jesus, how far down he had gone. And yet Jesus had come and revolutionized his life, changed his perspective, set him on a new course that only God could design. And we need to have that experience in our life. No matter how far down in the dungeon we may be or not, if we're there alone, then we need Christ. We need him to come in and work a marvelous mystery of grace in our life. So the perspective of his position is, I'm not a prisoner to Rome. I'm a prisoner to the message and the duty and the passion and the purpose of God in my life. And if it takes a sour turn, if the circumstances don't go the way I wish they would, all that matters is that others would know how much God loves them. It's a beautiful perspective for us to see and to understand. It's a mystery that for most of us, we probably don't know exactly how God was able to do that for Paul. Because we've all been in our own prison, haven't we? Finances, health, emotions, relationships, and it's really hard to see outside of those things. But as we look at our identity in Jesus, the fact of the matter is that God does not always come to deliver us completely out of our circumstances. But he does come to deliver our perspective from one of defeated and discouraged and downtrodden to one that sees the opportunity and the potential of exactly where God has us, right in the middle of the mess, to make a difference for others, to make a difference for the kingdom, to make a difference for him. And the perspective of his position and the passion of where he is at is all about this marvelous mystery you and I know is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and there's something mysterious. There's something magical. There's something heavenly about Paul's attitude, inspiring to me, inspiring to you, to each of us, to think of our own terrible places we've been in our journey and ask God to help us to have a singular focus And that singular focus is the gospel of Jesus, that others would hear it, know it, and live it. So there's the mystery and all of that of Paul's attitude, just to get started. And there's something else that we see, the mystery of the revelation. The mystery of the revelation. And and there's several different places in Scripture where the Bible has this really strange connection that it makes. It, It talks about Paul's passion to share the gospel, but then it talks about the angels wishing they could have looked into these things. Peter writes about it in the first letter to the scattered churches. He said in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. In all of human history, from the first creation until now, 
was pointing towards this moment when Jesus would come, when Jesus was, that would die, when Jesus would be resurrected, and all of, all of eternity's scope of understanding of God's love would finally be fulfilled. And when I first memorized that passage in 1 Peter and looked at Paul's section here, what does it mean that the angels wish they knew? The angels were curious. The, the people of the past just didn't get it. And the only thing I could come up with is this, in regard to the angels, uh, you know, because they're God's messengers, right? I mean, they were the ones who were sent to the shepherds to receive the message of Christmas's glory, the birth of this Savior of the world. But the angels don't understand salvation. The angels don't know about how God can come into somebody's life and completely turn it around. The only thing I could come up with that was even close, and it's it's not really close, but it helped me to understand it a little bit. Have you ever heard someone give it to, you know, say you grew up in a Christian home. You know, you, uh, you were a good person. You went to church. You prayed. You gave when you could. You know, you were a, you were a, good, a good church person. And then, you know, you, maybe you're raised in the church, and you just didn't do the terrible things that other people may have done. Uh, and then you have someone come to your church, or you hit, talk to them on the street, and you're a member. And they, they had been involved in robberies, and they had beat people up and been in more drug deals than they could remember, and maybe even been responsible for the loss of life. And they come and they tell you how in the horrible, terrible place that they were, God came in and delivered them and freed them and their life was changed and their story is miraculous and their story has a sense of mystery to it and and you're like, man, I wish I could know what it would be like to feel like that. And I think that's a small picture of what Paul is trying to say because the angels don't need to be rescued. The angels don't have the need of of a salvation experience. The angels... And I, only heaven will tell how God worked all this out, but, but they're good. They're heavenly beings. They, are, they don't have the sin nature in them like you and I do. And so they don't understand what it feels like to have Jesus come in and, and totally rewrite our past. Totally forgive us of every sin that we've ever committed. Totally free us from the bondage of the chains of our life. Totally reorient and rewrite our future with the passion for the things of God. And so the prophets who were talking about God's future deliverance didn't even get it all. And so it was like for thousands of years, this great mystery of the grace of God was waiting to be discovered. That is the longest program you had ever watched in the history of the world. And now Jesus has arrived. The revelation has been revealed And now all can understand the fact that God delivers in every way. I should add as a note that even if you've been raised in the church, even if you've been a really good person, we all still need God's grace, amen? We all still need to know that Jesus can come into our heart, into our place, and rewrite our past, give us a new direction and a new future. And Paul says it's human history has been hanging in the balance, and they still want to know what it feels like to have the grace of God sweep over you completely. You know, that's a mystery that we all can discover for ourselves. 
The end of the program can be for each of our lives that wherever we are, whoever we are, wherever we've been, wherever we're going, God can come in and totally reorient who we are and the direction we're going. Paul says, the mystery of God has now been made plain that God has come to deliver everyone. You and me, the man in the high-rise office building, the construction worker down the street, the homeless guy walking by, unsure of where his, where his next meal is. There's no longer pretensions about rank or title or financial status or employment status or any kind of status. For he has come to deliver all mankind. So there's the mystery of Paul's attitude that in the middle of this terrible place, God changes his heart. There's the mystery of the revelation that for thousands of years, all of history was hanging on this moment when Jesus would come to die and be born again. That his messengers that were the early church would come and, and for the first time in history, look at a crowd of every kind of nationality, every kind of background, every kind of politics. You name the difference. You name the demographic. None of it mattered anymore. All are worthy of his love. One more mystery Paul talks about, and it includes you and I in this one as well, is the mystery of the church. The mystery of the church, and we see it in verse 10. He says, God's intent was that now through the church, that's you and I, that's anyone who hears the message and receives the grace of God, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And then he throws in verse 13, it's like, you know what, don't be depressed for me. This is all for God's glory. But there's a mystery involved in this that is, that is you and I. That is the church universal. And Paul broadens the scope of, of this mystery revealed. Paul broadens the scope of this grace applied. Paul broadens the scope of God's plan for the world it was not just through Paul and Peter and James and John and Matthew and the other disciples and apostles. Paul's plan is for the mystery to be discovered in your heart and in mine and in the community around us and that through our discovery of the mystery, through our celebration of a breakthrough and understanding and living, that others would hear the incredible mystery that he came to me. He came into my broken life and turned things around and he's able to come into yours and do the same. And to those outside the church, it's a mystery. It's a program they may not want to watch. You ever have this show that's on TV and you have no interest in it? Just like, I'm never going to watch that. A lot of people feel that way about, about Jesus, don't they? I have no interest. I don't want to hear about him. I, I've, uh, I, every time I, I don't watch TV that much, but every time I flip by Shark Tank, I don't even know what it's about, but just the name. I was like, nope, not, not going to watch it, not going there. And someone in this congregation doesn't like me anymore. <laughs> if that's your favorite show, that's all right. That's okay. In our culture today, Jesus is just one of the other gods, isn't he? In our culture today, it's just another religious thought. In a world that teaches there are many ways to heaven and many ways to God, the great mystery of Jesus' life was his own claims, that he alone was the son of God, 
that through belief in him alone and through his blood there would be forgiveness and cleansings of sin, that through faith in Jesus would be the only path to the Father, that he was the only way, he was the only truth, his life was the only truth. And the mystery remains in our world today. Will we discover the mystery for ourselves? I don't ever remember turning on one of those unsolved mystery programs and thinking, nah, I don't want to know what the answer is. I always wanted to know how it ended. What I I didn't like is that sometimes a program would end and the mystery wouldn't be solved. I hated those shows. I mean, all that suspense and all that excitement and all that time invested in putting up with that eerie music for half an hour. And then to get to the end and then be like, local police want you to call this number if you have any information leading to the arrest or capture of this person. I'm thinking, great, he's still out there. Great, she's still out there. No, I'm really not gonna sleep tonight. And the sad part of it is, is that sometimes the mystery doesn't get solved in someone's life. They continue on and they don't allow the grace of God to come in. The discoveries aren't made. The truth isn't revealed. And they feel lost in their own circumstances. They don't have the perspective of the position that God really has them in. They don't have the passion for the place that God has them to be a messenger. They haven't received the revelation of the mystery in their own heart. And they haven't joined the mystery of God's great church around them. But my favorite programs on Unsolved Mysteries, it would get to the end and it would say across the screen, update, 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 person is found. My favorite programs were the ones where maybe um, kids were born in a foreign country or to really poor parents or maybe in the middle of a disaster or something and they'd been separated at birth. Maybe twins that were separated at birth and, and they'd never met each other. And sometimes 30, 40, 50, 60 years would go by and they, they didn't even know they existed. They had no idea that there was another person with their name and their DNA born literally at the same time as them living out there in the world somewhere. And maybe a mother who just had looked for decades or a granddaughter or you know someone had decided to, to take the time to seek out the truth, seek out the facts and seek out this person and it was one of the most touching things to get to the end of the program of the, of the story of the search, the story of the mystery being discovered was the, was the reunion of a brother and a sister who had never met after 30, 40, 50 years. And usually the camera would look at them for a minute and then turn away just because of the power of the mystery's discovery. The power of two Entities separated by time and space, reunited forever. There's something beautiful about when two hearts join together again after a time of separation. And I think that in Paul's mind, that is the mystery of the gospel. The Bible says that sin separates us from God. There's distance between us, and the longer we walk In sin, the further apart we're separated from his power and love. But the mystery of the gospel is that God still speaks. God still works. He still draws us together. And through the hours and through the days and through the years, he continues to whisper to us, I need you. 
I want you to come back. I want a great reunion. It's something the angels wish they could know the beauty of. They see it with their eyes, but they don't understand it in their soul. I'm going to have to go home and watch Unsolved Mysteries now. I'm just going to have to turn it on. It's been so long. I baited my own, I've hooked my own bait with that one. The fact of the matter is, Paul says that there is an incredible mystery, and Jesus is the answer to it all. He's the answer to every question we have. He's the answer to every unknown in our life. It may not be that Jesus says, yes, you're in the middle of this prison, and and three weeks from now you're going to get out. Because that's not what Paul got, was it? Paul knew in his heart that his deliverance would be an eternity with God. Part of the mystery of the church is that we have that hope too. That even though we may not be released from all of our burdens now, there's an eternity coming where we will spend forever with him. And I could have added that as a fourth point, but I didn't want to. The mystery of eternity. It's not really something that's on a lot, although he talks about heavenly beings and understandings. But the fact that God could free us, deliver us, reunite us with his spirit, and then, and then on top of that, plan an eternity with him, Only the final trumpet. That'll be like the big update, update, update on the screen. All has been made well. Every mystery has been solved. Every past is no longer. All tears are wiped away. No more death, no more dying, no more pain, no more hurt. Forever now you'll be in my presence and in my glory. Aren't you grateful for God's mystery of the gospel in our lives? Let's stand and we'll close in a word of prayer. Lord, I want to thank you this morning for the message of the gospel. For so long it had just been for one nation, one nationality, one background, and and the full revelation had not come. Yet all of the messengers that you gave your word to knew there was something more. They wished they could understand the foreshadowing of everything that they were a part of, but there was something about what was to come that they couldn't fully grasp. The angels also saw all of the happenings throughout history, saw the deliverance of Israel and the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, saw the beginnings of the most powerful movement the world has ever seen, which you know is the church. Yet there's something mysterious to them about the gospel because it changes everything. It frees us. It delivers us. It reunites us. It refocuses us. It gives us what we've never been able to find anywhere else. And Lord, I thank you this morning for that word mystery because almost everyone raised their hand. They love a good mystery. And Father, you're mysterious to us, yet we can know you by the grace of your son, Jesus. Lord, may we walk in our journey through this life, grasping the mystery, sharing the mystery. That's something else we could have shared is that this mystery that Paul came was to be the message of the church that God has come to reveal himself to each and every one of us. And Lord, as we go about our week, may our lives be a reflection of the mystery that you have worked through in our life. May we shout those updates to the world that God does deliver. God does change us. God does bring freedom. God does bring purpose and peace and love. 
And Lord, we're gonna close with a thank you that you have all the answers. We wanna praise you, Lord, that you see the unseen. You know the unknown. And we just stand on literally the edge sometimes of our life wondering what the next breath is gonna hold, what the next step is gonna be, what the next part of this journey will be like. Thank you, Lord, for coming to us and revealing yourself to us. We're gonna, Lord, now walk hand in hand with you into that next step. And we'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. All God's people say amen. May the Lord bless you.